Okay, so sometimes we only see pieces of Jesus, right? Uh, maybe it's an intellectual piece for you. Maybe you only see an intellectual piece for Jesus right now. You know, you're, I'm struggling with Christianity. Uh, is the Bible true? That might be a piece. Or I'm struggling with Jesus. I mean, is he, is he Lord? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? I mean, I just don't know. And all of a sudden, oh man, I see him. Sometimes we only see pieces of Jesus. Maybe it's a doctrinal piece, right? Especially in our tradition. I've memorized 200 of the 107 Westminster Shorter Catechism questions. Did you get that? 200. Man! Okay, I know I'm not, I'm not funny like you do, but I thought that was pretty good. 200 of the 107. Okay, I'm doctrinally right. Again. And by the way, you're not. You're a heretic. You're a Gnostic, you're a Pelagian, you're an Arminian, you're a modalist, you're a therapeutic deist, you're an antinomian, so there, right? But something, but something is missing. My heart is cold. Metallic is a good word. And all of a sudden, oh man. See him. Sometimes we only see pieces of Jesus. Maybe that piece for you is a pragmatic piece, right? How big is your church? How big is your church's budget? How big is the youth ministry? How big is the college ministry? <laughs> what kind of music do you do over there? Is your pastor cool? Does your pastor have a podcast? Check. Did your pastor write a book? <laughs> check, check, check. Yes, sirree. So is your church successful, right? Is your church successful? And all of a sudden, oh, man, I see him. In this text, we see two pieces of Jesus, two puzzle pieces. Let's look at the first. Mary, therefore, took a pound. This is about 12 ounces, right? So she's pouring the equivalent of a Dr. Pepper on Jesus right now. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment. In verse 5, we're told it's, it's worth 300 denarii, which is a year's salary in the ancient world. So this is a very expensive thing she's doing. It's made from pure nard, which means it probably came from India. It was imported and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And when we read this, we just can't help ourselves, can we? Every time we read this, the first piece we usually see is the piety piece, right? That's what ends up happening. 90% of us that read verse 3, and I can tell you because I've looked at all the scholars, all the work, not all of them, but a lot of them, 90% of the scholars, 90% of us, when we read this text, what do we see? Mary. Look at Mary's love for Jesus. 
Look at Mary's devotion for Jesus. Look at Mary's commitment to Jesus. And those of us that are crushing it spiritually, when we read verse 3, we think, well, I'm crushing it spiritually. Like Mary, right? And we think, what's wrong with you spiritual losers? Where's your love for Jesus? Where's your devotion to Jesus? Where's your commitment to Jesus? Why can't you get your act together? And then those of us that are not crushing it, Spiritually, we read verse verse 3 and we think, man, I am a spiritual loser. I don't love Jesus like Mary. I'm not devoted to Jesus like Mary. I'm not committed to Jesus like Mary. I can't get my act together. Sometimes we only see pieces of Jesus. In this text, we see two pieces of Jesus. So let's look at the second one, shall we? Judas responds to Mary. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why is this anointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And when we read this, we can't help ourselves. But the second piece that we see of Jesus is almost like we need to feel good about ourselves. We desperately want to feel good about ourselves. We desperately at least need to think good about ourselves, and we desperately need you to think good about us. So the second piece we usually see is the social justice piece. If we all read today in the church, and if we all read today in the culture, verse 4 and 5, and didn't read verse 6, 7, and 8, then we would all agree with Judas. Why wasn't this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? What about the poor? What about systemic racism? What about white privilege what about all the evil in the world in this text we see two pieces of Jesus we see the piety piece and we see the social justice piece but we need to see more and all of a sudden The need to see more is why Jesus does say verse 7 and 8. Jesus said to her, said to Judas, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. And so have been written millions of journals and millions of articles and millions of books and millions of scholarly works on what does this mean? But do you see what Jesus is saying? I don't, we don't even need to get into the gist, into the nitty-gritty of what exactly this means. But do you see what Jesus is saying here? Here's what he's saying. Christianity 
is all about me. The Bible is all about me. Preaching, teaching, Bible studies are all about me. Doctrine, theology, creeds, confessions, they're all about me. And we ask, well, well, what about piety? Me, Jesus said. Well, what about social justice? Me, Jesus said. So why don't we see more of those, y'all? I'm seriously, why don't we see more? Why do we only see the pieces when we come to this text? Or why do we only see the pieces of Jesus in our Christian lives and in our parenting and when we go to work and just as we were talking in this leadership class, when we do life, why do we only see pieces of Jesus? The answer from the text is in verse 55. It says, now when the Passover of the Jews was at hand, many of them went up to the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Why don't we see more? Why do we only see the pieces? This text answers because (laughs) we're trying to self-purify. We only see pieces of Jesus because we're blinded by self-purification. Piety without Jesus is self-purification, so we try to purify our anger, right? Or we, we try to purify the impurities in our life. We, most of us think the Christian life is all about purifying everything in your life. It's about purifying all the impurities in your life. And we go through the life trying to self-purify constantly. And the Christian life is self-purification constantly. And and so we try to purify. You're trying, some of you right now are trying to purify your husband. Some of you are trying to purify a child. Some of you are trying to purify the jerk at work. Some of you are trying to purify the church. Social justice without Jesus is self-purification too. And so we try to purify the culture. Some of us are trying to purify the culture according to our our ideology of social justice. Watch what John does, though. It's absolutely brilliant. It's, It's like magic. It's like the sleight of hand. He's just like, he's having you go one way, and then he just, sleight of hand, he just puts in the whole point right before our eyes in this verse. Did you see it? Now, when the Passover of the Jews was at hand, many of them went up to the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Now, in the original language, the next verse begins with a therefore, but it's not in your translation. So it would go something like this. Therefore, they were looking for Jesus. Did you see it? It's incredible. He basically is sleight of hand. He's saying, listen, John is saying, if you're looking for purity, look for Jesus. If you're concerned about purity in your life, then look for Jesus. If you're concerned about purity in the culture, then look for Jesus. True purity only and always looks for Jesus. And all of a sudden, oh man, I see him. 
Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair. The whole house, the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Ladies, ladies, I could not wait to tell you this. I got up early because I could not wait to tell you this. Mary is the first theologian in the church. Mary is the first to get Jesus. Mary is the first to get the gospel. Mary is the first to do theology right. She's the first and great theologian in the church, not the men. The men... The men in this text, the men in this world, are all blinded by piety and all blinded by social justice. So ladies, oh, I want to tell you, <laughs> be good theologians like Mary. And I want to say this to you too, ladies, if the men in the church and in our culture today are obsessed with piety, you lead the way with the gospel. If the men in the church and the culture today are obsessed with social justice, you lead the way with the gospel like Mary. And you know what Jesus says to all the blind men out there? Leave her alone. She gets it. And all of a sudden, oh man, I see. What is Mary doing with all that imperial majesty? Number one, imperial majesty. Do you know what that is? Just in case you didn't know. That's the most expensive perfume in the world. I looked it up last night. It goes for $3,000 per ounce. So she'd be dumping $36,000 worth of perfume on Jesus right now, which for some of us, that is an annual salary. So it's about right, right? What is Mary doing? What is she doing in this text? What is she doing in this passage? You know what she's doing? She's ruining a good party. She absolutely Kills the party. She is, I don't know, she's uncool. She's a downer. She's like, oh, my word, it's over. Let's go home. What's happening? This is a homecoming party for Lazarus, right? Just a couple days ago, he'd been four days dead. And Jesus speaks him back to life. Jesus approaches his tomb, four days dead. He's in the tomb, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Oh, 
oh, I wish I would have seen that. And so here they are, they're celebrating this miracle, which is an unbelievable, absolute, spellbinding miracle in any sense of the word, in any culture, at any time, in all of human history. Someone came back from the dead. And so here they are celebrating, right? They're eating and they're drinking, they're talking and they're laughing, they're relaxing and they're enjoying life. They're, at, they're saying, Lazarus, what was it like to be dead? Lazarus, did you ever think at any time while you were in there, Jesus is coming for you? Lazarus, what was it like when you first heard, come out? He's signing autographs. He's making book deals. He's getting ready to go on Joe Rogan. And Mary ruins everything. How does Mary ruin everything? How is she ruining this party? What is she doing? How is she ruining it? Here's how she's ruining it. Because in the ancient world, you do what Mary is doing only to a corpse. In the ancient world, you take tons of perfume and nard. It's more like Crisco. Remember that stuff? It just sticks to you. And you pour it and you spread it and you smear it all over a corpse to get it ready for burial. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. The house was filled with the smell of death. She ruins the party. Why does Mary do this? <clears throat> well, Mary was there. Mary was there. Mary was there when Lazarus came out. Mary was there on the ground with her face to the ground when she heard the lion roar, Lazarus, come out. And she was there, and she couldn't believe her eyes when he came out. And all of a sudden, oh, man, I see Jesus defeats sin. Jesus defeats death. And he must die to do it. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of death. She's preaching the gospel. She's having a party. She's celebrating. She's overwhelmed. She sees Jesus. Self-purification is a joke. 
And if nobody's told you that, I welcome being the first one to tell you this. Self-purification is a joke. We don't need more education. We don't need more information. We don't need more doctrine. We don't need right education, the right information, or the right doctrine. We don't need more exhortation, and we don't need more inspiration, and we don't need more effort, and we don't need more counsel, and we don't need more how-tos, and we don't need more good advice. We don't need more love, and we don't need more devotion, and we don't need more commitment, and we don't need more discipleship. We don't need more ministry. We don't need more spiritual success. We don't need more cool pastors. We need a death. We need a death. Someone must die for anyone to be purified. Gil Crack says it this way, the dregs of sin are part of me. They are who I am and not just what I do. To be purified means total substitution. What's in there must die and be replaced by something entirely new. Jesus must die for you to be purified. Counseling will not kill your sin. Education will not kill your sin. Exhortation will not kill your sin. Discipleship will not kill your sin. All your efforts will not kill your sin. It took the cross of Jesus to kill sin. And to give you something new. So yes... Let's be like Mary. Let's all of us be like Mary. Oh, man. I see him.